Hi, I'm Sean. I've always had a passion for personal growth and a curiosity for life's profound questions. I created this show as a platform dedicated to inspiring change through thoughtful and insightful conversation. There's a lot happening in the world today. Some of it clear, some of it confusing. My goal with these conversations is to leave you feeling better and more informed about the state of our world in these challenging times. I'd like to invite you to think outside the lines. When I started the show back in 2015, Donald Trump was a mere blip on the political radar, and the political landscape wasn't nearly as tumultuous as it has become in 2023. Through the political chaos in the US, a once in a lifetime pandemic, I took a break from the show for a while because I wasn't sure what I wanted to say or how to use a platform like this at all, let alone responsibly. My goal for the show has always been to provide a platform of inspiration and to challenge perspectives on how we see the world. And more importantly, how we might make the world a better place for everyone. So it is through that lens that I return with these new episodes, featuring conversations on topics that matter to me with folks who have a similar perspective on life. And when I do give voice to those who might not share my perspective on something, my goal is to drive the conversation forward in a civil, productive way. And from the perspective that we're all sharing this crazy experience called life together. And the goal for all of us should be to leave things better than we found them. I hope that's how you see the world too. And I hope that these conversations will leave you better and smarter. In this first series of episodes, I'm speaking with three thoughtful and intelligent women in my life about the current political landscape here in the United States, where I live and record my show. You'll hear from three different people from diverse backgrounds, all of whom have a unique perspective on where we are, where they would like to be, and how we might get there. Politics is an incredibly important topic in our lives, regardless of your background. It's a topic that was rather taboo once upon a time, but not anymore. We've become so polarized and dug into our beliefs that it's often hard to hear through all the noise. I thought it would be interesting to step away from the traditional political pundits that you're likely used to hearing, and instead turn our attention to everyday Americans, their stories, and their insights on how we might reconcile our differences. I know these can often feel like treacherous and impossible times, but I believe that together, through thoughtful and intelligent conversation, we can find the common ground that unites all of us and work towards a brighter, more inclusive future for everyone. I thank you for listening and for daring to think outside the lines. Next up, my conversation with Susan. My name is Susan. I am an art director and I've been freelance for about the last 20 years. I used to work in advertising and I live in Southern California and I have lived on both sides of the political spectrum in my lifetime pretty strongly on either side. So I have a different perspective on how things are and how they work and how people come to their opinions. And that's part of the reason I'm actually really excited to talk to you today. I think that you'll definitely offer interesting perspective. And I know that we both share a commonality in the sense that we have family members that are, you know, also on extreme sides. So it should be, yes. it should be an interesting discussion. I guess, given that, how... How would you describe the current political landscape in our country and, and what factors from your perspective have contributed to that? So I just turned 60 this year. And in my lifetime, you know, when I was in fifth grade, Nixon was the, the whole Nixon Watergate thing was going on, which, you know, as a fifth grader, 10 years old, you see it on the news, but you 
barely understand. My teacher explained some things to us, but you know, we, we didn't, you didn't live in it like we do now. And I think we're in the most divisive time of my life, my 60 years. And I've been kind of despondent about that because I see little, there's things I want to do to change that. But over the past, I would say six years, I have been in a cycle of consuming and getting despondent and not generating a ton of light, which is my normal role in life, I think, is to, you know, look for solutions and look for whatever. And I, I've been in a different cycle. And I've just, I just, re I realized that early, right? We all, you know, people realized they were in whatever cycle that they were in. And it took me a while, and it happened just recently that I realized, oh, I used to be really interested in, like, I used to write a lot. And now I, like, write tweets. And that's not writing. That's not, like, getting deep and thoughtful and writing long pieces. And so I'm like, I, I'm like, I need to change some things so that the political climate, I would say, is bad. <laughs> That's not good enough. Like, it's just very, very bad. Yeah. And I mean, I don't listen. Always know what I, to do about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really fair. I think that you alluded to something interesting there that I could probably do a whole other episode about. But I feel like you're kind of alluding to the notion that like our attention spans in general and the thoughtfulness that yes. we place on anything is kind of where we are with everything. And I think there's yes. something really interesting there to unpack. Yes, definitely. We could do a whole episode about that. And that's, <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking a lot about not only our like media diet, our social diet, our reading diet, like it's a diet thing. It's not, it's like we, we've been on this like radical switch to junk food. And I'm not talking about food, but also food. But, you know, it's there's been a radical shift and I'm not eating as much meat and vegetables as I used to eat. And it's it's a lot around this theme of attention and what grabs your attention and what grabs your emotions and what, you know, what grabs a hold of you and then takes you on a ride all day. And you haven't like started your day by meditating and being thoughtful or something like that. Or you got yanked out of that early on in the day and then we're on a ride. So figuring yeah. out how to not have that happen is what I, I mean, and this has been like in the last week I realized, oh, I used to be really passionate about something that I wanted to do that was a little bit more all, it wasn't just about, politics it was about people and it was about like i saw some of these problems long before they actually were present in this current form but it was all wrapped around empathy and so i was writing long you know book length pieces about that kind of stuff and thinking about it deeply constantly and now i'm like oh my gosh I was going on a direction there and I've been completely yanked off of it or allowed myself to be yanked off of it. Didn't stay true to something that was like deep and in me and thoughtful and like I don't hear everywhere. And I'm like, this is supposed to be my contribution to the world and I've allowed it. I just 
allowed myself to be completely distracted from it. So things like that. It's I'm not, you know, working out and eating my meat and vegetables with my brain, the the thought, my thought processes. And I'm doing much more, you know, what's when I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety, read for Twitter when I'm feeling. And by the way, that doesn't help. But it, not anymore. Not in the way it once did. Yeah. But doom scrolling is a thing. Like it is yeah. a thing that you go to to put this weird kind of salve that doesn't actually heal anything onto your anxiety wound. So figuring out how not to do that is really a struggle in this environment because I'm in deep. Like I can't I can't when I say don't watch the news, I can't not watch the news. I can't. Yeah. It's too it's too much right now. And and it has been for a very long time. And yet that's probably the answer. At oh, least that's definitely the answer. Yep. So have <laughs> you done that? Have you been able to do that? I know. Well, no, not in the last like six years. But okay. I hear I hear from people who have been able to do that, that it's actually very freeing. And it's it's almost like your anxiety immediately goes away and the world is new again. But we can we can talk about that later. I want to address what issues on that note, because you seem to care about a lot of things. Are there particular issues or causes that you feel really passionate about right now? Democracy. And and by the way, I know people that will say, well, we're a republic. But OK, then let's be that. <laughs> let's Let's at least be that. Because we can keep it, right? Yes. Yes. Rule of law. But here's the thing. So the interesting thing about me is back in the day, I was very religious. And I wouldn't have even called myself religious back then. I would have said, it's not about religion. It's a relationship. Like I had all kinds, you know, the verbiage, whatever. Very strongly believed. Couldn't have swayed me off of it. I'm not anymore. And I also was on the opposite end of the political spectrum. And I used to be very pro-life. And now I'm very pro-choice. And that's that's a journey to get from one place to the other. And I know people that have gone the other direction or know of people that have gone the other direction. And as I watch those rights be stripped away and I've talked to some pro-life friends that are currently pro-life and I've talked to them about okay so if we want to really like if you want to send it back to the states like if we want to get rid of Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states because that's closer to the people okay let's do that but maybe the state level isn't the right level for that maybe we take it you know, because there's different parts, different counties in the state. I live in a red county and a blue state. So there's very different counties in a state. So maybe it should be at the county level that we make those kinds of decisions. And this friend said, oh, yeah, definitely. And I said, and even within a county, you can have like cities and different suburbs and different rural areas. Like you can have different areas that believe very different on issues. So maybe we should send it back to the like regional level. Maybe it should be down to the very street level. Like my street is very conservative and your street is very liberal and we should have different laws govern governing us because we believe different things. And then I said, and maybe we should just take it down to the individual and let them decide like, what's right for them. I got her. I was wondering where you're going all with the that. way down. She agreed with me all the way down. And I'm like, 
And she just laughed at the end. And I'm like, there are certain things that if you cannot, and, and this is coming from having been on the other side. If you cannot convince somebody through the power of arguments that they should not have an abortion, that you know better or whatever, you, you have some information that they don't have, which is how I used to feel, by the way. I've, I've gone to jail, too, with Operation Rescue and all of that. Like, I really believe that I had information that those people needed to hear and they just needed some time. We needed to block access for a little while. They needed some time to hear other information. And so if you really feel that way, do it through persuasion of your argument. Do it through campaigns that are loving, that try to communicate with the other side. Do it that way, not through protesting and blocking and all of that, but through legitimate discussion and convince people on the strength of your argument. And if they cannot be convinced, then they cannot be convinced and accept that. And that is not what's happening in our political discourse these days. I think that there's lots of people that feel that they've lost the argument. And so now they will just figure out another way to take it. And some of that's through gerrymandering and through other things so that certain voices are just not re represented. And so... Yes, you can still have power that way, but you haven't won the argument. And I feel like, if anything, our nation is an experiment in having that kind of discussion. And I hope that that piece of it can continue. These are not easy discussions to have with people that you care about. There's friends that I have that I'm like, I cannot talk. We're, we're in business together and I cannot talk politics with you because they believe things that I, I I sit there flabbergasted to try and have a discussion and then there are people that I can have an actual discussion as long as we both agree we're not going to be raising our voices or jabbing fingers in the air you know like there's certain parameters that have to be present for both of us to be comfortable and then there are people that I have just completely cut out of my life when some of them are family because we cannot have a rational discussion and have to also see each other at these things that it's just it's not possible so and this has happened long before the last six years it was just very toxic and I'm like well I have choices to make here and this relationship isn't bringing me much value, but it's bringing me a lot of stress and consternation. And I don't have to see this person just because we're related. So I've made those kinds of hard decisions, too. So I've got like everything on the spectrum there. I've got people that I absolutely don't agree with, won't talk to, but they're still in my life. And I still love them for other reasons and other things. And we have a lot of lot in common underlying all of that, our love for people, wanting to be loving and inclusive, wanting to inspire other people. There's all kinds of things we have in common, but we don't agree on this like one major component right now, which is our politics. So how do you engage in conversation with people who you haven't yet relinquished entirely, right? But you have a different perspective. So during COVID was a really tough time 
in addition to my job, I have a team in a direct sales company. And we have all kinds of different perspectives represented within. And these are voluntary salespeople for a company, but we're kind of voluntarily put together. Like you don't necessarily find people that 100% agree with you on everything. Like you end up with a team, right? Because of this other relationship. And were deeply affected by COVID because they were one of the places that was like an in-person business and they were shut down, especially in this state, but in other areas of the country. And some weren't. And they had very strong opinions on both sides. I have people on both sides. But some of them, like I literally, it was very hard to have a conversation in those early days. And over time, because I love some of those people, like beyond still, like I could see what was happening. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to turn out relationship wise, but I do know how I want it to turn out. So I am going to put the brakes. Like there was a couple times like we were at events and I'm having like fingers pointed in my face and voices raised. And I'm like, not here, not now. We're not going to have this discussion here. And this is a smart person, super business savvy, whatever. We just fall on different sides of a line right now. And I feel like otherwise we could have a conversation about anything. And so I stopped it because of the way it was being done. But since then, this person has also been talking with their partner about just how they come across attitudinally. And I've been looking for ways to just continue a discussion, but not in that way. So I set some parameters around that. And one time we were just driving in the car somewhere together. They live on the other side of the country, so we don't see each other that often. But we were driving somewhere together and I just explained my journey from one her side of the aisle to my side of the aisle. But in not like I needed her to agree with me on anything, because that's not even the point. I just need for us to be able to have loving, caring, respectful conversations because the great thing about this country is there are 330 million different perspectives here. And if we can hear all the best ideas, we get to a better place. So let me ask you then, what would you like to see more of from people who are on the other side of your beliefs? How can we encourage more constructive more respectful conversations because it sounds like you're attempting that and, you know, maybe even finding success in some ways. Listening, you know, just uh, and both that goes on both sides. Like I have, I I got really mad at the beginning because like literally every newspaper was saying, we need to understand their perspective. And I'm like, really? Because I feel like we try and they are making literally no effort. Like we're being called evil and, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And I feel like it, like if you start from a baseline of respect, a lot can get done. I mean, that's in a business, that's in a political discussion, that's in a family. And so like when family members say that they wish, you know, they, you'll see, you'll end up in hell. Well, I don't need to talk to that person anymore. But when somebody is like really trying to understand your point of view. And honestly, I can't read all of their articles. Like I, we and they I don't expect them to read all of mine. But when someone does give you something on a, a rare occasion, I'll look it over 
And if it's been debunked, I'll let them know. And I'll see how they react to that. And sometimes it's not great. And I'm like, well, you're not open. That's fine. I just know that about you now. So we can categorize our discussions in a certain way. And so I don't, I guess I gave up early on being able to change anyone's mind. So that is not a goal. But demonstrating love and respect has always been my ethos. So I will look for ways to do that and to basically prove them wrong in some of their beliefs about people that hold my beliefs. But hold on there for one second, because so first of all, family is a completely fascinating dynamic in all of this, right? Because family is family. Friends are p- people that are oftentimes, for most, easier to dismiss, right? To, to let go of. Right. So there's that aspect. But also, you made a, an allusion to, you know, facts or right versus wrong. Uh-huh. I, I feel like that's all off the table these days. Like, there's almost no such thing anymore. It's everyone lives yeah. in their siloed version of the facts, right? Yeah. Well, that's been the most, the thing that makes, I think, most people most despondent. It's like, we're not even dealing with the same reality. Exactly. I mean, I I could go off here. I've been trying to sound very <laughs> moderate. I could too. Like, let's, let's, let's keep it, let's keep it chill because I think we could both go off. And I think the, the, the problem is that a lot of people listening could probably go off as well. Yes. And the, the intention of these conversations is to try to find commonality, common ground, Yes. Civility, right? And so that's the that's the lens through which I'm trying to see this conversation yeah. because I think we've all been in a place where it's very easy to, you know, go off on your opinions or your perspective on things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it is hard to watch people you care about, whether they're friends or family, go off a deep end. And because I'm not a dumb person, I'm not calling them dumb, but I'm a very smart person. <laughs> like I've been in advanced education my whole life. I think deeply about things and I can, I'm also a sensitive person. I can see things and they, they think the same thing about themselves, right? Even some of them that have been called dumb their whole lives are now being called smart for holding a belief. And I can feel propaganda at work and I can watch it and how it's functioning and how things are said this way and how that attaches to someone's deeply held belief or a an emotion that they they are carrying with them or a dissatisfaction or whatever and i can see how all of that is being used to manipulate and for a, in a lot of cases my worry is it's been that quality that we can all possess at times which is the, the, the problem with cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance, you're uncomfortable the whole time you're trying to hold two thoughts together that don't belong together. You are uncomfortable. It's a lot of work to do that. And I used to do that. And, and then it, it can be very freeing to let go of the one that makes no sense and that isn't really suiting you. My fear is that they're letting letting go of the one, the wrong one, the one that holds a society and relationships and all of that together. And they're hanging on to the one that causes them to run with like anger and hatred and, and all of that. Um, so is there a fix for that though? Is there, are they too far gone at that point? Or is, I mean, we're getting into like cult. I mean, part of me thinks here, but... too far gone, like protecting my own self and my own psyche. I don't want to have 
conversations with somebody who wants to kill me. Like I, yeah. that's hard, that's hard work. And I see people out there doing that and I freaking admire them. But like I have in a lot of ways pulled back and that's something that I used to think that I could do. And really the only place that I have landed with a lot of this is that wanting to be loving and inspiring and prove them wrong about things that they might say about me or people like me or whatever and be an example, which is but basically when I was on the other side of the fence, I was operating in that same way. Like that has been my through line. I've always been that person loving and whatever. Huh? To back up just a second, though, because you, you said something really interesting and you're the second person to to use these specific words. The implication is that whoever you're interacting with potentially it doesn't just have a difference of opinion, but they actually don't want you to be alive. They want you. They'd rather you be dead. Right. And I'm not disputing it, but it feels like such an extreme. And if that's where we are as a society, I don't know how to come back from that brink because listening is not going to help in that scenario, right? Your, your earlier suggestion. So where do those solutions live then if one side just wishes the other weren't alive? Well, this is, you know, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not LGBTQ. Like I'm not a person that a lot of people wish that on. And, and that community hears that more than I'm just a, white woman. You know, I, I, I don't hear it as much, but I'm hearing it being expressed more and more. And possibly that's the places I hear it is Twitter or whatever. Like I hear, I hear it more and more being expressed toward anyone who doesn't agree with them. And just as a thought experiment, I, I, I wrote a philosophy about, it was centered on empathy a few years ago. And I, I wrote, I, I decided to use NaNoWriMo and write a fiction-based version of what it would be like if everybody got their wish, right? If, if we just separated, Marjorie Taylor Greene recently described it as a divorce. If we just like geographically separated. So that was my thought project on this piece. And as I was writing it, I thought, how can I be egalitarian to both sides? Like, it doesn't end up, it's not everything's rosy on both sides. I wanted to think through this problem because people seem to be going the direction of, if you're not with me, you're against me, get out. I don't feel that way about the other side, but they feel so strongly that way and are expressing it. So many of them. And I think there's a group called the Three Percenters and the way that they come to that name, my understanding is, is it only takes 3% of people to cause a revolution. And I think to be respectful, I do think there are, and I hate to use the both sides analogy, but I do think that there are people on both sides of the equation who would just feel it would be better off if if the scenario, if the that, picture that Someone painting, on the other side died. Or not even died, but just went their separate ways, right? We had that yes. national divorce. You guys go live in Montana. We'll stay in California, that sort of thing, right? It's emotionally easier to yeah. not have to engage with the differences when you just don't have to engage with them anymore. And that's what I look like. That's what I think about when I think about the people that I've just said, okay, we're not going to talk anymore. I'm blocking you everywhere. Like we're, we're done. I'm not going to your funeral. Like all of that. Go, go live in your other state, essentially. Or go. Yeah. And some of these people live 
you know, driving distance from me. But like still, I and and I can accept it as long as I don't have to do the emotional work of dealing with that BS. And so because then it's not as hard on me anymore. But I think that's how we got here is a lot of those decisions over the years and nobody's pinging ideas off of each other. And even even in a corporate setting where it's not politics, if people are more talking about each other than talking to each other when solving problems and you're not getting everybody talking and getting the best ideas in the room to then proceed forward with, same problems, same problems as society. Like you cannot let any particular person run amok with one point of view because they can't they can't foresee all of the things. You need a devil's advocate in the room or whatever. So I feel like that same thing is going on in our politics. And I think it's a lack of emotional intelligence in our country, like, and people not wanting. To, also, the huge problem with, you know, just the disinformation stuff and like people going down a different reality is it is so hard to admit you're wrong in the least of circumstances for a lot of people. And when you have the sunk costs of they've lost family and friends or jobs or whatever, whatever people have lost over holding a certain opinion, it is even harder to ever say you were wrong. I've done that in my life. Like I completely, you know, I was wrong about this and that and this and that. And I just, it took, a, and it took, it was a process. It took time and it took revelations to get there. But not everybody is capable of that. Not everybody is open-minded enough to let new information in. And not everybody can handle the emotional work that it takes to do that. And okay, I feel so like that quality alone that, has been exploited. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think that's fair. I guess, given that, I want to talk about solutions, right? And I think right. that you've you've offered a few of them. But I want to know from your perspective, like, what are some things you feel that we could do to bring the temperature down? And how can people who want to be actively engaged on either side of the political you know, spectrum, how can we more constructively influence each other and you know, have our voices heard in a way that feels like it's productive as opposed to where we're at? I think if two people set some parameters around a conversation, I, it's, it's hard when it's a mob, right? A room full of people shouting each other down. But when it's two people and you know people in your life that are on the opposite side of whatever you whatever side you are on, you know people that think completely opposite of you and you know people that are more moderate. And maybe you're the moderate and you see people on both sides of you. You can set parameters around a conversation like I did with my friend. I just said, "Listen, we're not going to do this here." And then when we did do it, we're going to keep the emotions down and we can check each other. Like set up some rules for yourselves. Both people can ask for things. It's like, I want you to hear me on this and maybe not be not interrupt me because that shuts me down. And then the other person can say, I want you not to raise your voice. And then you, you have the parameters that you need to have the conversation and if you need to add new parameters because it's getting so uncomfortable, ask and add them. It starts with the level of respect and wanting to do it. Like you have to really want this. 
at a certain, at, at, you know, the farther apart you are, the more that has to be negotiated in order to have a productive discussion. And what I like is I've had some of these discussions with people. What I don't like even in myself is when I have, and I find other people doing this too. Like I, I, one of my colleagues believes that it's possible that the earth is flat. And so another person thinks that is ridiculous. They're good friends. And I think it's ridiculous. And then we don't gang up on her, but we tease about it. And I'm like, that's probably not good. And I'm admitting that right now, that I've engaged in that behavior. And not not strong teasing, not humiliating, not anything like that, but just, you know, mentions of it. And, and, and in a joking, sweet, whatever way, but I don't know how she's taking that. And that's probably not helping us get to those more productive conversations. And this is a person that has been told you're very smart for figuring out this conspiracy or being in the know about all of these things or you're whatever. And she's, does, she's not likely to want to let go of that. That's some real emotional scaffolding that she's got under her. Yeah, and I think I really, that's actually... That's a huge piece of this, I think, is the point yes. that you just made that des deserves some like time to marinate in. Because a lot of these people that buy into these conspiracies are being told, you're so smart because you figured it out, right? You're, you're amongst the elite few who actually get it or whatever, right? Whatever yeah. way they phrase it. And it's like, oh my God, like, of course you feel special then. And of course you're going to want to, you know, persist. I think I do want to ask you, this has been a great conversation, by the way. Thank you. I feel like it's been really insightful, but- what has you hopeful? Because I really do want to end these conversations in that place. What are some things that we can take away from where, you know, I, I stop and I laugh through part of these conversations because I'm just like, I can't believe this is where we are in 2023. Like I know. An, evol an evolved society, you think we'd be in such a different place, but it is where we are. And so I think there's, there's some solutions in how we move forward, but what, where's the hope in all of this? How do we, how do we get to the other side? So history, the, even though humans go through some really awful things and are capable of really awful things, the the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. Like just knowing that, and we've seen some evidence that, you know, ultimately good prevails, not everywhere and not all the time. We don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm hopeful that good comes from it. And I'm despondent that people will suffer in getting there. So I, my big picture is very hopeful. But like we have seen a history, human history I'm talking about in all places, where people endured some absolutely i mean they're doing it right now it's worse in other places and people are enduring all kinds of things that they never thought that they would endure and we've been very privileged to live in the country that we live in and even people in this country endure more things than you and i will ever have to but we may be going gonna go through a rough patch or it may 
we may start to, this may have been our, our rough patch and we're turning towards something better. And I don't, I don't know where we're at. It could turn bad very quickly. It could turn, it could start, we could be starting to turn the bend towards something better. I love that you're having these conversations with people because I feel like this is the effort to turn towards something better. This is the, you know, I don't know that anybody will listen once they get a, a whiff of what side I land on. But the fact that I've landed on both sides, I hope people see commonality in we both want love and we both want justice and we both want fair. Like we all want that fairness and and everything like we we generally deep down want the same things. But how we get there, some people have been convinced that you get there through violence and other means. And that is never a way to get there. They'll argue the revolution was violent and that's the way that we got here. But, you know, the Native Americans would argue not the best thing that ever happened. So our ability to see larger and more perspectives is crucial. I love that you're doing that with these conversa conversations, helping us see things a little different beyond ourselves. All right. I want to thank my guests today for sharing their insight with us. And I'm incredibly grateful to you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I hope it left you better and smarter. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have an idea for a future guest or a particular topic you'd like me to cover, you can email me directly, hello at thinkoutsidethelines.com. Now may you go out into the world today and leave things better than you found them. For more information, please visit thinkoutsidethelines.com.